Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So I thought I'd start off, um, you, can go, you can go ahead and if you have your Bibles, open to the book of Ephesians. Um, and I'm going to give you plenty of time to find your place here because I, I, sometimes I like to do story time with Matt McClay. And uh, th- when I think about umbrellas, something I did in college, uh, my friends and I, um, we had this idea. Uh, once you get to college, you're going to realize the worst, the worst time in college is when it rains. Because you have to walk from building to building. And like at, at Marshall where I went at first and then even at Liberty University, I'm educated. Um, Liberty University or where I went after that, um, like there were just puddles in the middle of the sidewalk. So it was just miserable when it was raining. So I had an umbrella, you know, I was not an umbrella guy, but my mom made me take one, so I took one. Um, my dorm mates and I, we all had umbrellas and we had this idea. It was like a monsoon, it was pouring the rain. So... Um, I, some of you know this, some of you don't. I, April is my first girlfriend, my only girlfriend. Um, never dated a girl other than April. Um, so finally found one that was crazy enough to uh, go out with me and then marry me. But um, it wasn't for lack of trying. And my, my roommates and I, we had this idea. It was raining bad, so we thought, we all have umbrellas. Let's go over to, um, like, let's go over to the sidewalk with our umbrellas. And we'll offer walks to girls that don't have umbrellas. It'd be a great way, you know, to, to, to maybe pick up a girl, get a date. So we did that and, um, you know, I was kind of a timid guy. So you got this one like guy, he was like a type A, one of my roommates. So he, like first girl that went by, like he, shot, he, he took a shot, you know, and, and man, she got right under that umbrella with him and walked on. So the next guy did pretty much did the same thing because he got like, you know, confidence from, you know, our other roommate doing it. So yeah. This, and this girl starts walking with him. So I'm thinking, this may be my lucky day. And then as, uh, as I'm, I look around to see who's coming next, um, there's this college professor um, who is like about 60 years old, kind of rotund, and uh, just had a general unkept college professor appearance. And he saw what my friends and I were doing. He's like, well, hey, buddy, why don't you give me a walk? And he grabbed the umbrella and started walking with me. Um, so... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, umbrellas, you know, that's kind of my PTSD umbrella story. Um, But tonight as we get into Ephesians, we're going to be talking about um, God's umbrella of salvation. Um, So maybe you found your place in Ephesians, maybe you didn't. We're doing, whoa, it skipped ahead. Does that give you like flash? Yeah. Um, We're doing a series called In Christ. We're going to be going through the book of Ephesians this fall. We're starting, of course, in chapter 1 tonight. And this is going to take us all the way up to our, I can't believe I'm already saying it already, our not-so-traditional Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, So, get ready. We're going to be in Ephesians for a while. And, you know, a lot of you, how many of y'all had the first day today? First day of school today. How many of y'all, the first day was... It's already happened, but it wasn't today. It's already happened. Okay. Anybody still have yet to start? I think Kay, Kaylee, we got a few. Gracie, okay. Paisley, you got, we got a few. Okay. So, um, here's what I can promise you. You're going to have some spiritual rain in your life, some spiritual storms in your life this school year. Maybe for some of you, it was already like a class five hurricane today. But one thing I can promise you, just because of the way the world is, you're going to have some spiritual storms in your life this school year. And tonight, what I want us to look at is the umbrella of salvation 
through which we can be protected from these spiritual storms. And we have to kind of sum up this passage in light of the first day of school. In one sentence, it would be this. The greatest lesson that you can learn this year is who you are in Christ. I'm going to say it again. The greatest lesson you can learn this year is who you are in Christ. So we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be, going, we're going to be looking at the, four, the first 14 verses in Ephesians chapter 1. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to read the first two verses together, and then we're going to go into the next... Um, I'm really, I'm, I can't math, I can't speak. Uh, we're going to do the remaining 12 verses um, after that. So let's read this together and I'm going to start by just making a couple observations that help us to understand this book. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, let's just stop there. If you're a note taker, how many of y'all have your little, your cute little highlight, you know, white girl highlighters and all that good stuff? Okay. Um, by the way, we have, uh, we put a Bible, a Bible bar on <laughs> the back of the auditorium there, right by where Sarah's sitting. We have highlighters, we have pens, we even have some spare Bibles if you didn't bring your Bible or you need a Bible. So, what, I'm, what I would ask you to do, or maybe you think about it, if you're a marker in your Bible, I would circle the word apostle. Paul, an apostle... <clears throat> I'm having all kinds of problems tonight, guys. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. A lot of times when we read these, the, these books in the New Testament, we, I hear people say, well, Paul said this, Paul said that, and that's kind of true, but it's kind of not 100% correct because Paul wasn't just given his opinions. How many of y'all have like a crazy Uncle Larry who loves to give his opinions on Facebook in all caps? Right? So Paul was not a crazy Uncle Larry here giving his opinions on things. What was Paul? He was an apostle of Christ Jesus. That word apostle, it can mean herald, not like your crazy uncle Harold, but herald with an A, a herald of good news. It can mean a sent one. So here's the skinny. When you see the word apostle in the Bible, this is what it means. That the person who is an apostle is an eyewitness to Jesus. Paul met Jesus in person multiple times. And when Paul met Jesus in person, the first time, first time Paul met Jesus, he got saved. The second and third times that Paul met Jesus, Jesus taught him truth. And Paul took the truth that Jesus taught him he took those words that Jesus taught him and he wrote them down and he sent them to churches all across the Middle East and into Europe. So when we see that Paul wrote this book, it's not just that Paul wrote this book. Paul wrote what Jesus said to him. So when we read these words, it's not Paul said, it's God said. Does that make sense so far? Kind of wanted to lay that out. He's an apostle of Jesus by the will of God. God called him this. But who is he writing to? Anybody know who Paul's writing to? These words from God? It says it right here. But I, how many of y'all are like Captain Obvious and can read it? To the saints who are in Ephesus. I have a picture here. I'm going to put it up. Of Eph this is the ruins of Ephesus. And what was so exciting or what was so important about Ephesus? Ephesus was a big bad city. 
Ephesus had about 350,000 or more people who lived in that city. Back then, in the ancient world, that was a big city. That was like going to New York City and seeing the Eras tour for your fifth time. I haven't even been once. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it'd be like going to New York City. It'd be like one of these big cities. And yeah, maybe some of these big cities are known for some cool things, but they're also known for some bad things usually, right? And Ephesus was no exception. Um, there was a temple. And this, what you're looking at here is the ruins of that temple. It was the temple to um, one of the Greek deities that they worshipped. The, 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 the deity was known as Artemis, was also known as Diana, uh, not the princess. Um, and they would worship this fake god and they would do it in such a way, I'm going to keep it PG, but they would do it in such a way that was immoral. They would do things that would get you kicked out of school for doing in a stairwell as part of their worship to this fake God. Kind of tells you what kind of city these Christians were living in, right? It's a very evil city. Some of you are like, this sounds like my high school. And that may be true. So when we see that he was writing to the saints who were in Ephesus, it was a big city. And it was a bad city in many ways. So you, you think they may need a word from God? You, th you think they may need some advice? If you're a ninth grader in here and you, you started your first day at that big school, your first walk through Cabell Midland or your first walk through Huntington High, you're like, I need a word from God right now. So Paul is writing to these saints who were kind of in over their heads. And another interesting thing about this church in Ephesus Paul lived in Ephesus for two years. It says he taught in the, the hall of Tyrannus. This guy's name was Tyrannus, which is almost reason enough for me to really beg April, hey, can we have another kid just so I can name the dude Tyrannus? Like, what a name. Like, Tyrannus McClay. That's what's up. But he, he taught in the hall of this man who had this big hall, possibly a school, Tyrannus. He was a discipler. He made disciples of countless Christians in Ephesus and God was moving in the city in such an incredible way. Here are some things that we read about in Acts 19 that tell us how God was moving in the city when Paul was there. It said when people would touch Paul's handkerchiefs, they'd get healed. God was moving in such an incredible way that the people who made these false little idols got mad because they were getting put out of business because nobody wanted to buy the little idols anymore because they were worshiping the one true God. It wouldn't be awesome if we put some of these places down on Route 60 out of business because so many people were turning to God. That'd be awesome. And that what was that's what was happening when Paul was with these Ephesians for two years. But you know, Paul got himself into some trouble, not in a bad way, in a good way. He ticked off way too many idol makers. They were losing way too much money. So they're like, they gave him das boot. They kicked him out of the city. They ran him out of the city. So Paul continued to plant churches in other cities. But Paul's writing back to this church for, with God's words. Are we making sense so far? With God's words to help them because they're almost in over their heads and they need a, a word from God. Another interesting thing, you might think it's interesting, is that this, um, this little phrase here, to the saints who are in Ephesus, in some of the, the copies, the ancient copies of this, uh, of, of this book, this letter that Paul wrote, these words are not in there. 
to the saints who are in Ephesus. And most scholars believe the reason they're not in some of these copies is because these ch- the Ephesians, they got this and they're like, this is gold. Let's send it to the church down the road. They need to hear this too. So they took out to the saints who are in Ephesus so the church in Smyrna could write their name in. And so the church in Philippi could write their name in. You following me? So this is not just a letter from Paul with the words of God to these specific people in Ephesus. This is a letter to any Christian to ever exist, aka me and you. And what you'll see, and you can maybe write this in the margin of your Bible because you'll see this unfold over the fall, is that there are two major like themes and two major like big points in the book of Ephesus. And they both deal with this term in Christ. That's the name of the series. In Christ. And what you'll see as we go through is the first three chapters tell us who we are in Christ. They talk about this umbrella of salvation and what it means to us. We find our identity in the first three chapters. They tell us who we are in Christ. The final three chapters, four through six, tell us how to live in Christ. They tell us how to live who we are in Christ. Does that make sense? First three chapters tell us who we are in Christ. The last three chapters tell us how to live who we are in Christ. So we're going to get started. Did I lose anybody yet? You following me? We're setting this up. Okay. Uh, We're going to get started in verses 3 through 14. You ready to read? Let's read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stop there and say, blessed. Everybody say, blessed. Blessed. That is the point. We'll get back to it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I'm going to stop there again, and I want to circle this little phrase, and I'm going to issue a challenge to you. By next week, see how many times this little phrase little prepositional phrase appears in the book of Ephesians. I've counted and recounted and recounted and I have the number that I think I found and we'll see if you can find them all. I'm not going to tell you how many times it's in the book. See if you can do that over the next few weeks. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as, he's cho- even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And then we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in heaven and on earth. In him we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you too also, this is an important verse, you want to read this. In him you too also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let me pray for us real quick, and I want to make three points. Um, God, I pray that as we've read your word, as we've kind of set it up and talked about what's going on in, the, in, in this book, um, 
God, it'll be way more than a study. It'll be way more than a deep dive into some theological terms. But God, this will show us who we are in you. That this will show some people in the room tonight their need of being in you, their need of salvation. God, I pray that when we're done looking over these three aspects, these three parts of this, of, of this set of verses, God, that we'll be able to say what you gave Paul to say. We'll be able to say, blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. All right, so we're talking about umbrellas. I have not mentioned Rihanna yet, not planning to. It may happen. Um, talking about umbrellas, and we're talking about the umbrella of salvation. These verses right here, these 12 verses tell us and explain to us what it means to be under the umbrella of God's salvation. One thing you should know about these verses that are up here, you can count, I believe there's, there's four sentences here. Paul didn't write this in English. He wrote it in Greek because that was the language they used. In Greek, this is all one big gargantuan sentence. Can you imagine? Usually a sentence you can like read in one breath. Can you imagine trying to read this whole, you think you could read this whole thing in one breath? Maybe when we get out, we'll see if anybody can do it. You have to be like super Olympics diver material to be able to do it probably. This is all one big sentence. So here's the thing. Sometimes, some of us, we really like to be able to like mark up a passage and dissect it and look at all the little pieces of it. And that's good to do. But we have to remember, this was written to be read as one big truth. You following me? Because it's one sentence. What you're going to see next week is the next, the next set of verses, verses 15 through the end of the chapter, is also one sentence. So this entire chapter in the Greek is just three sentences. So this, there's one big theme here, and we're going to see it. We see in verses 3 through 4, specifically, I'm going to get tired of holding this thing, specifically what the umbrella of salvation is. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every blessing ah, in the heavenly places. That we've been blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So God has given us realities that we don't always see in our lives that are true because we trusted in Jesus. You see in verse 13, the way to get under the umbrella of salvation is to believe in Jesus. Making sense so far? So this is the umbrella of salvation. So we're going we're gonna to look at three different things having to do with the umbrella of salvation that we see in it. They're all W words. I tried to kick off the school year with F words. Just couldn't make it work. So you're going to have to deal with W words tonight. So the first thing that we're going to look at having to do with the umbrella of salvation is this. The will of the Father designed it. Look at some of these words in this big gargantuan long sentence. You're going to see that God's plan was always to make a way of salvation to save us. When Eve took a bite of that fruit, God didn't say, I'll snap. I'm going to have to figure something out. Before the earth was created, before humans were created, before sin entered the world, God had a plan to save us. Look at some of these words that tell us, tell us about God designing the umbrella of salvation. It says that he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. 
It says that in love he predestined us to adoption. According to the purpose of his will, that's his plan. Look down at verse 8. It says that he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Look down at verse 11. It says, In him we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, predetermined, according to the purpose of him who works, what? All things according to the counsel of his will. Do you see how before there was ever anything in existence, God already knew that we were going to need that umbrella. God already knew that we were going to need to be saved. And he put this plan of salvation in place. There's some things that we can see about God's design for the umbrella of salvation. And the first is this. It wasn't a tiny umbrella. How many people could fit under here? Some of you skinny minis could maybe get three under here. This is not a representative of the umbrella of salvation, but it is a representative of the, of the way that we often as Westerners, maybe as Americans, read the Bible sometimes. We think, when we read the Bible, we think, how, is this, how, yeah, how does this apply to me? And it, we're a very individualistic society, you know what I mean? Like, like we pull into our house, we shut the garage door, and we're like, don't ring my doorbell, don't call me, don't text me. Call me, beat me any way you want to reach me, however Kim Possible says it. We don't want to be around people. But this was written in the ancient world. It was written to people who were more than one. Maybe here's another challenge. Go through this passage and look at the passage and find any singular person in it. You won't find it. Look at the words that you find. You find he, in love he predestined us to adoption for himself. Verse 3, he blessed us in the beloved. Verse 4, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Verse, uh, verse number 7, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Verse 8, he lavished us in all wisdom and insight. When God, wow, that's big. When God planned and predetermined the umbrella of salvation, he made it big enough that anyone who believed in him could get under it. This was a plan for his church. This was a plan for all who would believe in him. He also designed it to be pretty strong. Because look at, look at, look at, look at what he did for us. It says that he, um, verse number four, he, pre, he chose us before the foundations of the world that we should be what? Holy and blameless before him. If I were to call your parents right now, if I were to put your parents on FaceTime and put it on the screen here, and I were to say, you know, yeah, um, you know hey, miss, uh, um, whoever you are, um, would you describe your daughter as holy and blameless? What do you think? <laughs> what do you think they would say? <laughs> Heck no, right? Um, how in the world can we be presented? And some of you might be able to pull off looking, appearing holy and blameless to your parents or to old people in your life or to your grandparents. How many of y'all could pull off being holy and blameless before God? Because God made this umbrella strong enough to protect us from all of the eternal effects of sin so that one day when we stand before God, we will be presented as a church, actually, as the people of God, holy and blameless. So God did not just design it to be big. He designed it to be strong. We also see that God designed it thoughtfully enough to be an expression of his love for us. Look at what it says. It doesn't say that God was wringing his hands. He's like, ah, oh, they're going to screw up. So 
going to have to put something together to save these guys. That's how I would probably say it. But how does he say it? It says in verse number 4, at the end of verse 4, in love he predestined us to adoption for himself. As God was putting together, before there was ever a person, before there was ever vegetation, before there was ever a praying manis on the earth, God in his love for people that didn't even yet exist put together this plan to save us. He designed it big. He designed it strong. He designed it in love. But he also designed it to be cozy enough for us to stay dry together. Look at some of the terms that are used here. It says in verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Some of you know it's one of my favorite little terms to study and follow throughout the whole Bible. What it speaks to is our being accepted by God, being loved by God, and then sharing that love and acceptance with the people who are in the circle of God. It's a circle of giving and receiving love. God did not predestine you to be a hermit. Right? God predestined us to be together, and not just to be together, to be together in Christ. So the will of the Father designed it. It's God's plan from the beginning. The next thing we see, though, is that the work of the Son built it. The first section there, verses 3 through 6, speak about how God, how God designed the umbrella of salvation. Verses 7 through 12 talk about how Jesus built it. How Jesus did the work to build this umbrella of salvation that protects us from the eternal consequences of sin. Look at verse number 7. It says, in him, that's Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. What was the building material of the umbrella of salvation? It's this term we don't like, some people don't like to use very much. It's the blood of Jesus. What was so special about Jesus' blood that made it the right material to build this umbrella of salvation? Well, the first thing, it was divine blood. Jesus wasn't just another person. Jesus was God. And only God can beat sin, can destroy hell and Satan and the enemy and be victorious. So it had to be divine blood. But it also had to be human blood. Jesus wasn't just God. He was God and a bod. And only a human can die in the place of another human. And not only was it divine blood, and not only was it human blood, it was righteous blood. That term that you see in here, the fullness of time, that's a term that talks about Jesus was born at the exact moment under the law, lived a perfect life so he could die in place of someone else. If I got a speeding ticket and you got a speeding ticket, who here has had a speeding ticket before? If I got a speeding ticket and you had a speeding ticket, I, could, I couldn't pay your speeding ticket because I have my own speeding ticket to pay for. Just the same way, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, so I can't die in place for your sin because I have my own sins to die for. But because Jesus was perfect, he could die in our place because he didn't have to pay the penalty for his sin because he never sinned. So it was divine blood, it was human blood, and it was righteous blood. And that is why only through Jesus can we be redeemed. We can be bought back. Only through Jesus can we have, for, think about this, think about this, forgiveness of our trespasses. Isn't it nice starting a new school year and you have zero F's? You have zero D's? You have no tardies? Did anybody get a tardy on their first day? Cooper, I love you, man. Um, you start with a clean slate. 
It doesn't take long to lose the clean slate, but through Jesus, we're given a clean slate. He did what we couldn't do. I wish we had more time to dig into this, but not only through Jesus do we have a forgiveness of our sin, we have a future. It says here in verse 11, we have an an inheritance. It was all built by Jesus. It was built in Christ. The final thing that we see, and a lot of people don't like to talk about this, but the witness of the Spirit secures this umbrella. Here's the thing. God planned this umbrella to save us, to be under. Jesus built it, but you ain't holding it. We can't secure our own salvation. But we see in these last two verses, who does? It says in him, in Jesus, when you... You need to look at the, 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 the process here. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your own salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. How do you get under the umbrella, umbrella of salvation? You hear the good news that Jesus died in your place. You believe that good news, and you trust in Jesus' sacrifice. And then what happens next? The Holy Spirit moves into your life. Look at what it says that he does. The first thing that that he does in your life is that he seals you. That that word has to do with with authenticating or or putting a a mark on something that means it's legit. Have you ever had to have your your birth certificate and you've looked at it? Is something going on back here? Oh, sorry. (laughs) Um, Have you ever had to get your birth certificate and it has a raised seal on it with all the little dots on it? It means it's legit. The Holy Spirit in our lives is proof that our salvation is legit. And not only does he, his, his, uh, it's kind of like a face ID. You know, have you ever, you ever have somebody else's phone and you're trying to open it so you just stick it up to their face? You know, the Holy Spirit is, is our authentication, meaning we're his, we're God's. And it also says that he's a guarantee, look at this, in the verse 14, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Here's good news. <laughs> what you see around you, what you see in the halls of Cabell Bill and High School or Covenant, what you see in your living room if you're a homeschooler, <laughs> what you see around you is not all there is. And it's not all there is to hope for. One day we're all going to be in the presence of God. We're going to be in glorified bodies. Sin is going to be gone. Death is going to be gone. And we have an inheritance with God. And every once in a while, we see the Holy Spirit working in our lives, being the guarantee of our inheritance. We have those moments where we get just a little taste of what heaven might be like. Some of you that were on mission trip with us, you got to see a little sliver maybe, a moment of what heaven might be like. Some of us, when we served at Backpack VBS in the, uh, that hot, sweaty auditorium, there was, was quiet except for the buzz of teens praying. You got to see a little slice of what heaven might be like. And that is the Holy Spirit working in us, showing us that we are God's. It's the umbrella of salvation. And it tells us who we are in Christ and what he did for us. So the lesson, the greatest lesson that you can learn this year is who you are in Christ. And next week, we're going to dig into it. But I'm going to leave you with these three, these three making it stick, these three application points, and we got to get to baptizing. we got to dunk some people. Uh, 
<laughs> but I'm going to put this up here. I'll leave it up here too so you can take a picture of it. But you have three, three, three ways that you can approach this school year. And what, each of you fall under one of these categories. The first is God's umbrella of salvation. Some of y'all got to get under it. Look to the person next to you say, get under it. Have you had a verse 13 experience in your life? Well, I'm going to read it one more time. Have you had a verse 13 experience in your life? Have you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Jesus and been sealed with the Holy Spirit? Wouldn't it be awesome to start the new year, start a new school year, being in Christ? If you've never done that, as we pray, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. And then you can go talk to a leader and let them know you did that. The second is embrace it. You ever feel... I look kind of stupid holding this because it's not raining inside. But you know who looks stupid when it's raining? The people that don't have umbrellas and they're running for their lives to try to get to safety. Right? Embrace the umbrella. Third thing, thank God for it. What's the whole point of this passage? Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14. To the praise of his glory. Are you under the umbrella of the salvation? Are you glad you're under the umbrella? And finally, will you thank God for it? Let's pray, and then we're going to baptize. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for planning our salvation. You did it out of love, even though you knew we were going to turn our backs on you. You loved us enough to send your only son to save us. So God, I pray if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know you as their Savior, that they will trust in you. And they'll let me know afterwards so I can celebrate with them. I pray for maybe teens that are here tonight that just, that they feel kind of awkward being a Christian and living as a Christian. And they will hold their umbrella of salvation with pride, knowing that this is something that identifies them with you. And finally, Lord, I pray those of us who are saved, and we know we're saved, we can say, like your servant Paul said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you, God for a new school year. We pray that you'll be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.